The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. The go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45-minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment. So you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP. Meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Cabo meal valid when product served. Welcome to episode number 51 of the LSR podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by the brightest minds in all of the gambling industry. With me this week, Adam Candy, Dustin Gauker, the smartest minds in all of the gambling industry. Guys, you can subscribe, rate, and review on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. We do appreciate those. Helps us climb those charts. More people can find this podcast, so we do really do appreciate those at LSP Report on the Twitter machine. Guys, we're going to talk about what's going on with a massive, massive merger, which makes a huge gambling company. We're going to look at what's going on over in Oklahoma, my home state of Louisiana, see what's going on over there as well. But let's kick things off here with DraftKings going public. We talked a little bit about this last week, uh, Adam, but what we are seeing here is, um, you know, this is a stock that I don't know if people were just, uh, you know, excited about the fact that, that DraftKings went public or what's going on here. But we have seen that this stock just continues to uh, gain momentum here. So if I told you two months ago that DraftKings was going to go public in the middle of all major sports being shut down and that DraftKings would then see about a 35 to 40% increase in its stock price in the first week on the market, you would have slapped me upside the head. And that's exactly what's happened. Uh, DraftKings, as I looked right before we got on this broadcast, was trading just below $24. Remember that uh, you saw it go on NASDAQ around 17 and change, and it's been pretty steady growth uh, for DraftKings since that time. What's leading that? Honestly, there could be a number of factors, but uh, we have a good article up at Legal Sports Report right now by Brad Allen digging into how DraftKings is being valued. And he talks a lot about the fact that he sees their valuation being tied to more of a tech company outlook than a sports betting outlook. And there's an interesting case to be made there. And there's also an interesting case to be made against it. I would suggest checking out that article, but that is the case right now. Uh, DraftKings has done uh, just about nothing but go up since the reverse merger and uh, combination with SB Tech. Now, Dustin, what we have seen is there are some people out there, though, that have been kind of questioning if, is this valuation proper? Is it what we're looking at? And, you know, that seems to be at least a question on the minds of 
of a lot of the people, you know, that are, that are smart within the industry, just kind of curious and as to where, you know, this massive valuation is coming from and whether it is what we, what we actually are, are looking at from a company perspective. Yeah, look, we're not stock analysts here. I'm not going to tell you no, whether we you are should, not. whether you we should, like, just like I'm not telling you what to bet on in sports. I'm not telling you whether to buy DraftKings stock or not. But it, yeah, there's there's some question, you know, what exactly people are seeing here. You know, uh, you know, we've seen some some analysts who uh, follow the market put a put a target price of twenty four dollars. That's about what it's trading at now. Uh, it's still it seems high to me as I look at, at things. You know. We have an earnings call from from DraftKings already on the you know just uh, like about ten days I guess, and you're gonna see we're gonna see that the earnings at DraftKings are they're not very existent right now. The only things they really have going, uh, you know, New Jersey Online Casino is going to be a big part of it. They launched PA Online Casino uh, just just last week as well. That's not going to be in Q1. I'm, I'm not exactly, I'm not even sure exactly how much they're going to report, but. No, this is uh, there's there's not much going on at DraftKings. DFS product pretty minimal. Sports betting, sure, there's some. We like to talk about the NFL draft and there's other sports, but we're talking a fraction of what uh, what is what's going on when DraftKings and the sports betting world are are humming. So there's there's some questions I, I think, but yeah, but at the same time, if you had bought DraftKings stock pre like when it was uh, pre the reverse merger when it was still trading, it was trading down around eleven dollars. You doubled your money at this point, so you look pretty smart uh, if you're if you're if you're trading stock. <laughs> but yeah, we have. I, I, yeah, again, I don't know. I, it it seems high to me. It seems like in the, the current world where there's a lot of uncertainty in sports and sports betting, like DraftKings needs sports. Uh, you know, the online casino stuff. It, it'll continue to expand. It'll get into Michigan. It'll get into other states as it legalizes. But it really needs sports to come back to to really make this whole train work. And. Adam, we were looking at all this last week and I said that I had kind of like dug through a little bit and saw that there was just a, a a ton of stock that Jason Robbins still owned and that he was, you know, uh, basically still calling all the shots there because he had so much controlling interest and all that stuff. But as we dug in a little bit further, we found that there were other people that owned a lot of stock as well. Matt, you're 100% right about Jason Robbins. Uh, There was, of course, the offering of more than 300 million shares that went on the market that led to that $6 billion market cap that we saw initially for DraftKings. But uh, in terms of Class B stock, Jason Robbins holding 90% of that. So, you know, where, uh, where a lot of that power does lie. But what we saw going through the documents was the stake that Disney picked up from 21st Century Fox when it purchased the studios last year we finally got a value on it. Uh, we saw that Disney is holding about 6% of DraftKings stock, more than 18 million shares, and that the value of that is upward of $360 million. Now, you can't just draw out any conclusions from that. You can't just assume, okay, well, Disney, ESPN, DraftKings, right? Not necessarily. Uh, one of the filings that we saw suggested that DraftKings is... Uh, seeing just a passive investment from Disney. And what does that mean? Uh, Essentially, Disney cannot be active on the board of DraftKings. Uh, They can't invest in any direct competitors of DraftKings. There's some SEC language and uh, and rules that go into this. I'm not going to go deep into that stuff because I only know it on a surface level uh, at this point. But what we saw is that uh, that filing from Disney and DraftKings 
makes it so that Disney essentially is just going to be holding on to that stake right now. And we did make that tie there to, I'm sure everybody listening to this knows that, but if for whatever reason you didn't, yes, Disney does own ESPN. But uh, Dustin, I think that we can at least mention before we put a, a bow on this as well, is there is a formal partnership in place between ESPN and Caesars actually on the sports betting front where when ESPN mentions lines and and various bets and things like that on their programming that it is well at least in theory supposed to be from from Caesars. Yeah, and we don't know the terms of that deal but you know it is uh, seems exclusive at least, right? It's you know every time you know you see it on Sports Center or things like that or you know whenever they're talking about betting content it's Caesars or, on, or watching uh, their, their sports betting show, which is obviously mostly on hiatus right now. But yeah, I think the other big thing is like people like people are read a little bit too much into this. This does not mean you're going to see, uh, you know, DraftKings sports book owned by Disney run by ESPN. We're so we're so far away from this. This is not this is also not a change. You know, they already own like Adam said, they already own the stake. It's now just part of this uh, this public company now. And. Uh, yeah, I think we're a long way away. Disney, historically opposed to gambling, was actually on the other side of a of lobbying in Florida against expansion of of gambling. Uh, DraftKings, they're actually spending against DraftKings at that point in time. So we're we're not in a world where Disney and ESPN are suddenly becoming like a huge part of the sports betting ecosystem. So I think we I think we can safely read into the, all of this that this is like Adam said a passive thing, and it is is interesting and surprising. It still exists, but it does not mean uh, Disney's going whole hog into this gambling industry. And Matt, the one thing to add to that, just because all of these things have to make a perfect circle one way or the other, uh, you mentioned ESPN and Caesars. And then, of course, Caesars and DraftKings have a tie up as well. So <laughs> this whole thing comes all the way back around. <laughs> Inter- the the in, you want to talk about it in the interesting webs that that we've woven here in this gambling industry. So let's go ahead and get to this one. Um, you guys remember us bringing this up? This was I mean it's been a long time coming now, uh, but we we were talking about the Stars Group, and then of course we remember that the Stars Group had moved into a partnership with Foxbed, and that there was that going on there. Well, then the Stars Group. And Flutter now, Dustin, have officially come together and formed just a absolute behemoth when it comes to gambling, not only here in the States, but uh, overseas as well. Yeah, I mean, this has been around for for a while now. The Flutter parent group of Patty Power, Betfair, and FanDuel here in the United States. Stars Group, which, uh, you know, Poker Stars is the biggest name out of that, but also runs and operates Foxbet here in the United States as a sports betting brand. This is all one giant online gambling company now, which is it's hard to kind of wrap your head around the scale. It was hard for me when this news broke uh, last year, and it's still hard for me to imagine this, this giant company. You know, again, another company, Skybet, was hired by Stars Group, is also under this this uh, umbrella. So it is, you know, this is, there's nothing uh, really even close to as big as this, you know, bet 365, a private company is, 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 is very large, but this, you know, uh, one would guess is, is larger than that. So uh, yeah. And it's, it's set up to be uh, kind of a powerhouse in the U S you have the best poker brand in, in the business and poker stars. You have Fandle, the leading sports betting brand, uh, Fox bet, uh, you know, obviously the, the tie in with Fox sports and, and, and the, the media exposure that comes with that uh, gives it a really good position uh, moving forward for, for sports betting. Now there's a lot of the, of shaking out of how all this is going to work is, you know, the company is now one, but you know, 
know, there's there's a, a lot of uh, merging that has to take place. You know, they've outlined kind of how it's going to be, but there's going to be one U- giant U.S. arm that oversees FanDuel, Fox Bet, PokerStars, and its casino and poker operations in the U.S. So, uh, yeah, we'll be interested to see what this one does. Uh, you know, I think we've also been, you know, we uh, as we've become amateur, amateurly watching the stock market, it's it's kind of hard to believe that uh, this company isn't valued more or, or stock isn't uh, kind of trending upwards like DraftKings is because you know this has a this is a, the leader in the U.S. sports betting space currently. It's obviously not a U.S. only operation, but it has you know kind of a, a dominant place in the current ecosystem for, for sports betting and online gambling in the United States. And not to mention they have the, the one of the, the top horse racing, which is you know a big vertical right now with nothing else going on. TVG is uh, you know has been doing very well as well. Right. That's. That's basically where I, what the next thing I was going to say. It's it's you look at this company, Adam, and it basically has everything surrounded. I mean, it it's got Foxbet and FanDuel here in the United States. If you look overseas, Patty Power Betfair, just a massive, massive sports betting arm. Then down in Australia, now Sportsbet and Bet Easy, which are two big names down there in Australia. Then on the poker side of things with Poker Stars and Full Tilt, you've got that. And then as Dustin mentioned with TVG, on the horse racing side of things, I mean, it really has all angles covered here. And not only all angles covered, but all angle, angles covered with massive, massive brands too. It's not like, you know, in one in one part, there's kind of just has their toe dipped in or anything. We are talking about, you know, the biggest of big brands in every single aspect here. Matt, I get all of my financial advice from Wu-Tang Financial. And they talked about a long time ago, back on the old Chappelle show, that you need to diversify your bonds. And this is exactly what you would be doing by investing in this combined stars flutter. You would be diversifying far beyond what the offering is for DraftKings and SB Tech. As Dustin mentioned, there's not much going on in the way of sports betting for anyone right now. So you don't have a lot of revenue streams for the DraftKings SB Tech combo right now. Think about what you have with the stars flutter situation. And as you mentioned worldwide, and we really haven't seen them push in a huge way with the kind of might and the kind of dollars and the kind of ability to risk uh, that a company of that size will have into the U S market. You know, you talk about valuing a company. Well, FanDuel's market share nationally right now is larger than DraftKings. And that gives you just one tenet of the way that, that that company can reach into the United States market. And that's not to talk about the sleeping giant of Foxbet that has the potential to really make it splash as well. So it's clearly a huge story, not just uh, not just for the rest of the world where most of those companies are situated, but right here in the U.S. And, and Dustin, I sit there and we I sit there and I, I list off all that stuff. I don't even. I didn't even mention the DFS angle as well, which, you know, I guess we can mention that it's so weird as you, you, you started in this, you started in this racket and like, that was basically all you had to talk about. And here I am listening off all the companies and all the ways that they have everything surrounded. And I didn't even mention the, the DFS angle in this. Yeah. It's, it is funny how DFS is like an afterthought now. It's basically like, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a rounding. It's a more, less than a rounding error in Fandle in the, in Patty power, whatever flutters, uh, overall revenue, it's it's just not even meaningful. Even though they have, I think Patty Power does uh, fantasy over over in UK now too. But it you know it is it is at least a customer acquisition funnel uh, right now and, and always. They continue to do free games and things like that. But 
yeah, DFS is kind of an afterthought. Um, when sports are going, it does create some kind of meaningful revenue, but it is it is a small small piece of the pie in the overall this overall company now. Adam, we talked about one of the more interesting cases here that we're going to be following over the next uh, several years, and that is Colorado, their big open market. We are going to see the new school versus the old school in some of these guys that have just gotten started over the last couple of years battling with some of these old school guys coming in from uh, Nevada. And we are actually uh, we are actually going on here um uh, you know, a few days into this. Now they did miss the NFL draft. So there was not a big sporting event for them so far in Colorado, but we do have the UFC that is happening this Saturday. So I imagine uh, this is going to be the biggest bet UFC of all time in Colorado is my guess. Of all time in Colorado. There's no question about it. This will by far shatter all previous records of zero dollars. And we'll see moving forward how that holds up as well. Now, the Colorado market launched on Friday. And although there are 33 casinos in Colorado and we've seen nearly 20 of them apply for licensure, just four get started right at the beginning on May 1st. You saw DraftKings, FanDuel, Rivers and MGM all get into the market Not surprising to see the bigger players able to jump in and use some of the might that they have behind them in terms of marketing dollars to try to pick up customers on the early side when there are no sports on the board. This is all a long play toward NFL and college football, of course, in a market like Denver, where you have a huge Broncos fan base, some big colleges as well. So you'll see those apps launch, uh, you know, sort of in in phases. Uh, We've seen this first phase of four. You'll probably see some of the bigger ones like points bet before too long as well. We know they have headquarters in Colorado. So it's going to be a really interesting market to, to see it take shape because as you said, it's going to be the big players that we've seen in markets across the country against some of these legacy Las Vegas brands that are the more well known, at least among the smaller bubble of what this industry was for you know, nearly 50 years. So Colorado presents a flat market and a test case for everyone to see how their product stacks up. And it should be highly, highly competitive as we move forward, a market that is going to feature a lot of promos and bonusing as we get toward NFL season, assuming it happens on time. Dustin, we let's talk about a headline here that is kind of a, yeah, we, we knew that. I mean, no shock here at all, but it seems like everybody wants to throw out the headlines of, hey, guess what? Numbers are down. Numbers are down. Well, yeah, you know, there was no sports. Be- there were no sports to bet on. We missed out on March Madness. We've missed out on the Masters. We missed out on everything like that. So, yes, obviously the numbers are definitely down here, but now we do have all of the uh, numbers officially in for, for March, and it is uh, it is pretty much as we expected. Yeah, I mean, we we know as, as we were recording this podcast about whatever a little over two months ago or less, less than two months ago now that things were starting to shut down and uh, that was not going to be good for the sports betting industry. But March, we have all the m- numbers in, in March. Uh, we saw handle fall sixty five percent just from February and also forty five percent from last year. Now keep in mind, there's obviously way more sports betting happening kind of across the country, including online sports betting and. Pennsylvania year over year. So these numbers are these numbers are not shocking. Uh, the, the, the real question is how much are people actually betting on all this other stuff, the draft, 
overseas stuff, futures. There's we're gonna we'll, once we get into April numbers, you know, we start seeing those come out uh, next week in, in Indiana, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, et cetera, et cetera, and we'll start seeing exactly what the baseline is without sports. And then you know, by the time we get to June, we might start having a few few real events, uh, NASCAR, uh, some golf, things like that, as as things come started happening here in May and June. So, um, but yeah. The, the, we there are some there has been some doom and gloom of uh, we saw some, one thing from Sports Illustrated about a collapse, a scary <laughs> collapse of the sports betting industry. Like uh, I think everybody knew this was coming because people weren't going to bet on Belarusian soccer. Uh, put a little ding drop in there for benching Belarusian soccer, but it's uh, <laughs> we we knew this was going to happen. You know these companies are not going away and sports legal sports betting is not going away because of all of this now if we did if like there were no sports ever again sure but i think even the most pessimistic of us believe that there's going to be sports played sometimes even especially this year in the united states now what it looks like and now how widespread it is who knows but you know this will all come back the the u.s sports betting market is still very new things will things will eventually be fine it's definitely definitely a hiccup but you know the the idea that the legal sports betting industry is just going to go away because we're in a sports is uh, is uh, kind of a ridiculous narrative that we saw out there today. Yeah, I will. I will not get on my soapbox on that one. And, and that was just, oh my god, that was that was something else. But uh, we ha- but we did see the numbers in casino and poker as we expected. Did they did climb here? I mean, we we mentioned uh, I'm here in Nevada where there is legal poker. I'm seeing action on the site here like i've never seen you know ever before even i'm talking like even during the world series i mean they are putting out guarantees for these tournaments that they don't even do during like you know when the world series is going on out here and so there at least has been some uh, a bonus which I, i should also add while you cannot sign up remotely for sports betting here in Nevada, you can sign up remotely for online poker. So I'm sure they have gotten a bunch of signups from that, but you cannot sign up for uh, you cannot sign up for sports books remotely. Uh, yeah, I always re- always reminded of that. And I'm like, the whole idea of this is that you can verify people, you get people in like, like, why does it apply to poker and not the sports? It's, it's very, <laughs> very, very strange in Nevada. I mean, Nevada is, is, weird and backwards in a lot of ways and that one obviously belabored but the fact that you can sign up online for poker anyway to your larger point yes you know it's not like online casino is not making up the entire difference in pennsylvania and, and new jersey but you know it some of some of the people who would have bet on sports are moving to poker or casino or there's people who you know would have gone to a land-based casino and have you know they they're googling for options say what what can i do out there and they're ending up at legal online poker rooms and, and uh, online casinos. And in some cases, illegal ones and offshore ones. It's not like, it's not, uh, you know, I'd, I'd imagine those are, you know, the ones that there's, they're just sports books on the, on the front facing, but they also have casino poker and, and other things that you can bet on. So it's, I'm sure any, any kind of online Avenue for gambling, because it's the only thing out there is, is really probably is, is growing certainly right now, both offshore and in the legal market. Adam, we talked about Virginia last week on the podcast. It seems we are looking a little bit clearer at what's going on over there in Virginia. Could the people in Virginia, let's just assume we will have football. I think we all think there there will be football this year. Will they be able to bet on football in the state of Virginia this year? There is a chance. I'm not going to call it a strong chance. And if they're betting on football, it will likely be betting on the last couple of weeks of the regular season and the playoffs. Virginia 
regulators put out a timeline this week. It's a pretty aggressive one for getting sports betting up and running in the Commonwealth. You know, we sit here in early May and they're saying that mid to late December could be the startup date. Now, that's a best case scenario uh, for them to be able to get things going in seven months for a state that, remember, right now has no casinos that is going to have an online sports betting industry. And they're not even sure yet how many licenses they're going to hand out. They have leeway between four and 12, although five of those could be taken up by some yet to be uh, determined casinos. So we'll see in the long run how many licenses regulators decide to put out. But it is possible in Virginia. uh, You know, we've seen aggressive timelines before. I mean, look at what Indiana did just last year, getting its market going. And that was a thriving market before everything shut down. So Virginia looks to be what could be a very competitive situation uh, for operators. And I think the most interesting part about Virginia is that we know Maryland is going to go to the ballot and then they're going to have to go back to the legislature. And it's well documented on this podcast, uh, you know, what the D.C. situation is where they delayed the launch of their app when they were just about to launch it into the nothingness void in late March. Um, You have a lot of people who live in Virginia who commute to work in D.C. who might have both apps on their phone, let's say by late December or early January. And you might be able to see what a modern app looks like against the Spanakopita dumpster fire of what Instralot has to offer in DC. It could be very, very stark and it could be very, very bad for DC. Dustin, we have another state in Michigan that it seemed like, you know, we were, we had at least a somewhat of an idea of what we thought when they might go live. And then all of a sudden, uh, news starts coming through that that maybe this could have been bumped up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd, I'd hesitate to say that we're definitely living in a world where Michigan online casino and sports betting are coming faster, but there is some some momentum there. You know, the the idea was that Michigan was going to sometime launch sometime in 2021. Obviously, casinos uh, in the state uh, not getting any revenue right now, so they're. There is some push in the state, you know, both in lobbying and from the, the, the folks who own the casinos to get this, this moving forward. We already have uh, emergency rules to, uh, that can be sent to the governor. Um, you know, it would still take some action by the governor to, to expedite the process and actually get us up and running in Michigan faster than we had originally thought. But, the, you know, I think there's enough people pushing for this. Uh, you know, there's... It, who knows when casinos are going to be fully operational in Michigan or, or indeed anywhere in the country. So this is probably uh, uh, something that's that's going to be that, that we're going to consider for really, really, it seems like. Uh, and again, there's enough people pushing for it. You know, you have MGM and, uh, and uh, Penn National pushing for this. If they if they really you know step on the pedal here, that there's a there's a likelihood that we have Michigan possibly later this year with both forms of, of online gambling. And again, as we always say. Uh, you know, yeah, sports, sports without sports, sports betting without sports is one thing, but the online casino section is definitely you know something that will be additive in terms of revenue while while casinos are shut down or you know or kind of limited in the in the short term. So uh, no 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 abs- no absolute news to report here in Michigan, other than there is there's some momentum and some chatter that we could see things moving uh, moving ahead quicker than we originally thought. Adam, we talk about the market over in New Jersey often here on the podcast. We talked about the market leaders over there in New Jersey and how it has been established that, you know, DraftKings and FanDuel have pretty much owned that market with FanDuel 
coming out on top. They were, of course, proximity with a physical sports book as well. Certainly helped them out being just right across the border there from New York City. But there is an interesting opinion out there from one of their competitors when things get back up and going and sports kick off again. It's something. I'm not sure I necessarily agree with it, but there is an opinion from the folks over at the score who spoke with our Matthew Waters to say that they think the shutdown of casinos and sports books might lead to what they're calling, and I'll put this in quotes, a reset, end quote, of the New Jersey market. As you mentioned, FanDuel, DraftKings, the early leaders in sports betting. We know it was DraftKings first, and then FanDuel spent the last year in front of the market. And combined, you're talking about Roughly two thirds of the market share being owned by those companies and everyone else. And that's 15 other companies fighting for the remaining third. And the score really has not been able to leverage its media app to be able to get people over to the sports betting side to make the sort of impact that I think they hope they want to. But, you know, they uh, they're saying they think that there, there could be a resetting of the table in New Jersey by the fact that things have shut down. I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I the, the FanDuel and DraftKings stranglehold on that market could eventually be chipped into, could eventually be broken. But I think it's going to take, as we talked about earlier, a, a big, big company with the resources of, you know, a combined Flutter Stars, Fox Bet uh, sort of situation. Someone like PointsBet uh, building up a little bit more nationally and getting a bit more profile to be able to chip into what FanDuel and DraftKings have established thus far in New Jersey. And then we need to be honest about what chipping into it looks like, right? We're not talking about someone else getting 40 or 50% market share. We're talking about someone else being to a, being able to establish themselves as a clear number three, say at 10 to 15%. Yeah, Dustin, you know, this is one of those things where what we haven't seen from the score that we've seen from pretty much every other one of these operators is just aggressive marketing, aggressive, uh, you know, really just a a blitz to try and get signups and customer acquisition and stuff. And I think that I'm not going to say that it was faulty logic on their part or that it was a little bit of overconfidence, but they, I think that they definitely just thought that people who were using their app to find, you know, regular sports news and regular scores were just going to instantly come over and start playing uh, and start betting on their app. And, you know, um, I think that that probably has a lot to do with the fact where they weren't able to really gain any sort of share over there in Jersey because they were just going about this completely different than, than everybody else. And it looked like it, it hasn't worked out so far anyway. Hey, look, I was a believer in what they were, were selling when they first went live too. Like they have a, a ton of engaged user base, including a lot of people who use their core sports app in New Jersey. I thought that would be, you know, they have it integrated into the app where you can go over to, you know, the, the, the betting app uh, from the, from the actual sports, the score app and, like have live odds during the games, like, oh, here's this game. You can go bet on this if you're in New Jersey. I mean, that seems like a compelling offer to me, but but that has not been reality at all. They have not really, that model has not converted users. It has not generated any kind of meaningful handle or revenue. I think we, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Adam, I think we saw like, I think Matt reported like 13 million in handle uh, over, the, over their last quarter, which is just a, a very small portion of, New Jersey market. So I think this reset idea is is kind of a 
is definitely aspirational. I, I don't buy it either. There's not nothing unless they're ch- fundamentally changing how they're going after things. Like I don't see what's changing for them. They have to, like I said, be aggressive on the marketing side, try to acquire customers in a way differently than just trying to get them over from the app. They just have to go after the casual sports better, which is not something you know that they've they've done outside of their kind of organic hope. So um, yeah, I don't. Uh, again, I was I, I would have been I, I was a big believer in the score too. But to get to a number three, it takes a, a kind of large effort. That you know we saw MGM even come out and say they they wanted to get to ten to fifteen percent of market share. They're not even there yet, and this is a company that's really aggressively trying to do that in the Jersey market. So yeah, a lot of unanswered questions. But I, I'd be a seller on the quote unquote New Jersey sports betting reset as well. Yeah, Adam, just before we moving on here, not that we're just completely, you know, sitting here and and poo-pooing on that. It's just we're we're basically just talking about what we've seen work, right? I mean, I, it's just it's not like we're saying, oh, you know, score in their app and all this is garbage. That's not what we're saying. We're just saying we've seen what has worked for these other people. They did not go about it that way. And through that, it looks like we've seen you know, not, uh, well, they've seen certainly uh, not the results that they were looking for. Far from it. The score, as Dustin said, had a compelling argument at the beginning to be able to say, we don't need to spend the marketing dollars because we have such a huge built-in user base who comes to our media app that we should be able to convert them over to their uh, betting app. And let's give them credit for this. They said that 75% of the users have migrated from that media app. So it's not to say that the plan hasn't worked. It just hasn't translated into revenue uh, for the company on the level that I think a lot of people expected initially. Is there a reset coming at some point down the line in New Jersey and frankly, in every other market? Of course, we don't expect DraftKings and FanDuel or any company to be holding two thirds market share forever. But in terms of a short order reset, I think that would be challenging. Dustin, we talked a little bit. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Oklahoma story last week, but even more news has now come out about what's going on there. Yeah, this was our this is our second big false start, I think, of of 2020 in terms of betting things that are going on. But Oklahoma, uh, the governor originally said a couple of tribes are going to be able to do sports betting and in, in, in negotiating compacts with them, and we we're like, oh, that's interesting. Let's. Oklahoma's add Oklahoma to the list of states that's going to have sports betting and kind of out of the blue. And then uh, that, qu- that almost instantly got poo-pooed by uh, lots of people in the state. The, the, now that formally, the attorney general has asked for an opinion on on this and basically said, you, you can't, the governor's out of bounds here, can't just say you can do sports betting. It's a prohibited game in Oklahoma. Um, you know, what What's next here? I, I don't know, but this is this seems pretty messy. I don't think we're going to see you know, the tribes have said that basically said they're not going to, you know, if there's some Ill- legal clarity on this that they don't have, they're not going to just push ahead and, and do this. So uh, we're back to kind of square one, it seems like, uh, in Oklahoma um, and whether there's going to be sports betting. It's not certainly not in the short term. And they kind of, you know, they got to at least have everybody on the same page believing whether it's legal or illegal. And, you know, most people seem to believe that the governor was was in the wrong here in terms of of saying this is okay. So uh, sorry to tell you, no, no sports betting Oklahoma, even if they had it, it wasn't going to be kind of statewide mobile. So not sure how exciting that was. It would have just at a couple of tribal casinos, but looks like Oklahoma sports betting kind of on ice for the short term. 
And Matt, keep in mind, for some people might be looking at Oklahoma and comparing it to New Mexico, right, where you have a tribal only situation. And the biggest difference is that Oklahoma actually has an express prohibition in the state law against sports betting, whereas New Mexico is kind of operating through a loophole where New Mexico state law doesn't explicitly ban sports betting. So my state, uh, my home state, Louisiana, they had a meeting yesterday. I actually tuned in for this one for a little bit, Adam, and it looks at least like the people of Louisiana will be able to vote on whether they want sports betting or not. It feels like we're heading that direction. Uh, Mac Riddell had a story out of Louisiana the last couple of days where some bills popped up in committee just yesterday uh, on the Senate side. And there are a number of bills because, as you know, in your home state, Matt, Louisiana is a complicated place when it comes to trying to pass statewide legislation because we're talking about a referendum that would have to go in front of the voters of the state. And it wouldn't just be up or down for the whole state. It would be parish by parish, which, as you've explained on this podcast multiple times is sort of like county by county. And you could be talking about having sports betting eventually approved county by county. Now, not the first time we've seen that type of referendum be held. Uh, That happened for DFS, uh, never ultimately was regulated, even though a number of parishes approved it, uh, got scuttled at the legislative level, as did the last effort at sports betting. These bills are headed to the Senate floor. Uh, there, There is a chance that You see things passed. It is a complicated legislative situation that until we get a little closer to passing, I'm not going to delve entirely into for the sake of brevity. But uh, this was notably the first legislative action that we'd seen just about anywhere since the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic, with the exception of the veto session in Virginia. Yeah, the guy was talking yesterday and he brought up the DFS thing and he said the reason that they have not been able to get DFS, despite the fact that it was, you know, passed uh, huge, you know, in all of the major population areas, you know, all of the major parishes that have all of the major cities, they all passed it overwhelmingly. And yet here we sit and there's still no DFS. And he basically explained that there is something in Louisiana law where anything that has to do with how taxes are distributed has to get a two thirds major has to get two thirds vote, and they have uh, been unable to get a two thirds vote on how to distribute the the taxes or how the taxes are going to work with DFS. And he actually brought up that this is something that they might want to get out ahead of should they actually legalize sports betting as well. He said, you know, look, we don't want to head down the same road with sports betting that we've already, that we've headed down with fantasy sports because the people, we ask the people to vote on something, they vote it into law and then we're unable to enact it because we can't get the stuff together on our side as to how the, the, the taxes are distributed or something like that. So I found that kind of fairly interesting coming out of there as well. Cause you, you mentioned that they did vote DFS through and there's probably people in Louisiana listening right now saying, well, why the hell don't I have DFS? And, uh, apparently it's because they can't figure out how to, uh, to do all the tax stuff. Yep. That is the case. Uh, very succinct description there of what happened. It's also important to note that in Louisiana, Tax bills can only be passed in odd years. And if you want to try to explain that one to me as a former state resident, I will leave it 
right up to you. <laughs> Let's just we'll just we'll just leave that as hashtag Louisiana, you know, like 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 hashtag Louisiana, and then we'll move on from there. Apparently, there was some other stuff that was going on in that meeting that I was listening that some of their gaming industry stuff that they own, they're the only state in the union that actually are doing some of the stuff that they're doing. And they're trying to keep up with the times and, uh, and, and adjust to be with the rest of, of the country as well. Um, Dustin, before we get out of here, there was uh, some major, major breaking news that came through uh, and got into your inbox. And we can't get out of this podcast here without you talking about what could be, the biggest news of this uh, of this coronavirus pandemic shutdown. Are you, are you talking in sarcasm font right now? Is that I, I you you tell me? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, this is this this could be just you know the most massive thing. I don't I don't think it's a massive thing. I think it, it, was, it is interesting. I get all sorts of stuff in my email boxes, as all <laughs> of you do, all sorts of wild pitches and what's going on. But you know, th- this one was this one kind of stood out to me. Monkey knife fight, which uh, you know, if you follow the daily fantasy sports industry, you might have heard of that. It's a one of the several players in the market, well behind DraftKings and FanDuel, but uh, and is a is a prop based form of fantasy where you're basically picking. You, know, you have a couple, you have players, and you're at, at the risk of uh, getting in trouble with legal here. You're betting on whether they're going to hit over or under fantasy points. And it's it's basically prop betting with fantasy. Uh, you can you can check it out or or some of the other competitors out there. Prize Picks is another one of those. Um, but it was interesting to me because they signed a deal right in the middle of the pandemic with uh, Major League Baseball's Milwaukee Brewers as the official daily fantasy sports partner. Uh, it, it strikes me as a weird brand uh, if you're the major if you're Major League Baseball. Like, okay, here's Monkey Knife Fight, which is a weird weird name for something, uh, and also with something that's you know uh, it's not illegal, I wouldn't say, but it's also Kind of, kind of weird. It's in, it's in the same kind of, it's in a more gray area than than DraftKings and FanDuel have ever operated in DFS. Um, it's, it's a, it's a weird thing to see, you know, this, this, this basically prop betting and being basically rubber stamped by Major League Baseball and, and one of their teams. It's in, uh, it was on MLB.com as a press release and, and things like that. Uh, you know, I, you know, I've obviously followed this for a while, and I, and I, I thought it was a little ironic that. That Major League Baseball and one of its teams is getting into this, but you know, uh, DraftKings has long been a, a, a partner of Major League Baseball and, so, and a lot of the teams. And uh, you know, it's uh, you know, if you're if you're a team right now in baseball and you're looking for some sponsorship dollars, Monkey Knife Fight is, is still out there. I'm not even sure if you can <laughs> bet on anything there right now, but. <laughs> I uh I've never played at the at the monkey knife fight, so I can't tell you whether it is fun or not. But um yeah, I mean I guess they've been around for I mean, I guess a little over a year now. I know they were around before last football season and stuff. So I mean I guess yeah, I mean I guess we're approaching a little over a year that they've been around. But yeah, interesting, interesting the way that they operate and yeah, we'll just leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. And a partner in a partnership um, with the with a baseball with an MLB team, even right now, <laughs> is probably not super cheap. So they've got some got some money to spend, I guess. So they do. Who, who are you taking? Who are you taking in a fight between an armed monkey and Bernie Brewer? Ooh. Well, I'm always I'm partial to monkeys. I love monkeys. So I mean, look, I'm I'm gonna lean monkey because I just I, I've always I've loved monkeys since I was a kid. Are, are, are that the is information uh, that will not. Yeah, that, that's not the last mention you're going to hear of that. Are the monkeys <laughs> capable, <laughs> capable of, of combating the murder hornets? That's what I want to know. 
the the murder hornets will have to talk about that next yeah we'll have to talk about that next episode because if it's not the corona that's going to keep people out of sports books it's they're going to be in fear of leaving their homes because there's things called murder hornets that are out there and there's so even more reason to have mobile sign up and mobile wagering because murder hornets exist p.s sponsored by ray caruth (laughs) <laughs> out there guys as always everything that we mentioned here on the podcast you can find over on legalsportsreport.com in an in-depth written form so be sure and take all of that in over there and again subscribe rate and review or run apple spotify stitcher and google we really do appreciate all of those follow dustin at dustin galker at adam candy that is two e's no y on the twitter machine as well for dustin for adam i'm matt talk to you guys next week The, go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45-minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment, so you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP. Meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Combo meal valid when product served. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece Wick Nuggets, Fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.